So, Dave, yep. are you ready for Halloween? Soon. We're uh, carving pumpkins tonight. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So it's something that uh, sort of a tradition for us. I, I have a – every year we carve pumpkins, and then I have a picture of uh, Laura and I on our front porch uh, from when she was real little. So you could see it from, I don't know, age three to present day. Um, you see the progression of her growing up, me getting older. And uh, her and my pumpkin skills developing over time. <laughs> that sounds delightful. That is so yeah. nice. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, How about you? So I, uh, I, 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 I wish I could say I'm looking forward to Halloween. Halloween's going to be fine. Uh, I'm actually more concerned with my wedding anniversary, which is coming mm-hmm. up um, in two days. Um, important first one it, it is important first one um yeah i think it was you that gave me the advice that if you forget this one um you'll you'll never live it down um so i uh put in a bunch of calendar reminders i have my 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 gifts are set um the agenda for the weekend is set so i think we're in good shape it's all about execution now yep so you're like um, traveling um well like- yeah so that so we've got uh we had plans to go to um uh to go out to the beach um, and, uh, or we, we may actually changed our mind. We may end up going to like a little spa resort thing, which would be nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, the lady, myself and, uh, and the dog, of course, um, who's a, who's a great connoisseur of, uh, resort spas. Um, Excellent. so did you, did you see this gunner app.com? Yeah. Yeah. That's so they're, they're, they're licensing that from your, your brand from you. Yeah, no, no, uh, no. These people will be hearing from from my lawyers because, as you know, I, I I'm all about protecting my brand um, and right. preventing the preventing the dilution of my marks. Um, right. But these these guys, uh, I presume it's a crew of guys, uh, developed a tool that lets you drag and drop files into the Rackspace content distribution network. Eminently mm-hmm. useful tool, and that's kind of the freaky thing is that if it was just named Gunner App for any reason, that would be one thing. But I'm actually a customer of that service, mm-hmm. and so it's a little bit like a little on the nose. You know what I mean? Um, hmm. like, Hey Gunner, Harry, you should be using the Gunner app. Um, so really strange. Uh, now we got the, we got the glasses company. We got this Gunner app thing. I'm feeling like I have to, I, I, I got to batten down the hatches here. I got to lawyer up and, uh, um, like I said, before you know it, I'm not going to be able to use my own name. Yeah. And then the picture on the website doesn't look like you at all. I know it's a mess. It's a mess. Yeah. We're going to fix that. Um, maybe I can parlay this into a, into an endorsement. Right. Yeah. Kids exactly. get those lucrative endorsement deals. Uh, anyway, all right. So we got a. We promised ourselves a short show this week, and we got two weeks worth of material to stuff into about a thirty-minute bag. Uh, so what do you say mm-hmm. we get rolling? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Uh, so okay. So what do you want to talk about? We're turning people into products, uh, patches into pounds and pence. Uh, we're protecting poultry. Talking about priorities, uh, uh, pr- uh, primary patchers on projects, and turning PDFs into poison. Strong. I like this alliteration thing mm-hmm. a lot. I think this is this is serving us well. Um, so, if if folks want to learn uh, what all those alert, alliterative items meant, uh, where, where do they go for the for the show notes? They want to go to dgshow.org. So, D's and Dave, G's and Gunner, show.org. Nice. And uh, we got a great cutting room floor. It's a full cutting room floor because we mm-hmm. you know we got the two weeks worth of material there. We get uh, there's this great um, <clears throat> uh, kind of listicle on uh, Iranian restaurant knockoffs. So all these mm-hmm. 
knockoff fast food joints uh, in Iran, and uh, it was caught on like wildfire on the internal Red Hat lists because the last item is Pizza Hat, and they use the Red Hat logo, uh, which is hilarious. Uh, it's delightful. Um, I've also got that uh, uh, a Muppet mainframe from uh, 1963, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then you've got uh, uh, a delightful YouTube video featuring uh, Klingons. Yeah, well, it's actually a whole theater production uh, that's, that you can go to in Chicago um, this this uh, this year. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's a Christmas Carol, but it's all in Klingon, and um, and and but there are uh, super titles for it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, there's narrative analysis from the Vulcan Institute of uh, Cultural Anthropology. So feel free <laughs> to check that out. That's great. Uh, so we get a new a new section on the show. Um, after 30 episodes, we we kind of got enough threads running that uh, we need to actually take all the follow up and, and stick it in its own section, uh, which mm-hmm. is which is great. So we were talking about um, a deep brain stimulation in the right. in a previous show, um, and this is a uh, like a, a treatment for Parkinson's disease, among other things. Anyway, a friend of mine um, from college who I haven't spoken to in over 10 years. Uh, uh, she's a camp catastrophe on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, hit me up on Twitter. Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, she found the show, listened to the episode, and uh, pointed us at this link to some more details on exactly what that deep brain stimulation entails, which is an implant inside your brain, uh, and it is roughly the size of a stopwatch, mm-hmm. which wow. is big. Right, and that, that goes, it's not like outside, it's like inside your head. Right, right. So it's like, so if you if you if you have this deep brain stimulation therapy, you're basically like smuggling two D batteries around inside your head. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Which means to me something. I don't know if there's extra room for that, or you got to remove stuff to have it fit. I don't know. So, something's got to give, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just freak it. You would think that they would have like a little filament or something. That, that there has to be a better way to solve that problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you found you found uh, more on the uh, chicken Steadicam. Yeah, thing, right? yeah. So it seems like all these companies now, just like how Mercedes was saying that uh, their that their cars handle like a chicken, um, LG is saying <laughs> that um, their um, uh, their their new uh, smartphone uh, is is just as good as a chicken powered Steadicam. Um, so they're, <laughs> they're getting on the bandwagon too. You know. Taking advantage of the uh, vestibulo-ocular reflex that um, you can you can do there, so there's a whole video on that. Yep, and the video is hilarious. It's got like a chicken on a motorcycle, a chicken on a busy city street, you know, a chicken in all these kind of dangerous situations, um, and its head is perfectly stable the whole time. And so it's, it's like really, you know, it's obviously funny, but um, it got me actually a little bit a, a little bit worried about the chickens. Um, it's a lot of like hazardous activity for a chicken, and um, especially because they are so small. Um, and relatively oblivious, you would think that there would be some kind of like protective clothing they could wear, something that would make them a little more conspicuous. You, you got anything for me, Dave? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, retro reflective uh, uh, vest that they could wear. So a nice little chicken vest. <laughs> little chickens with little little safety vests. <laughs> it's adorable. <laughs> yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah, so check in the show notes. There's a link to these safety vests for chickens, um, and I can't imagine a more hipster thing ever. Uh, it's, it's hilarious. Um, let's see. And oh, and uh, we had these questions about that Facebook thing, like whether a Facebook like was uh, was uh, protected by the First Amendment because mm-hmm. um, the guy got fired for liking his boss's enemy, whatever it was. Anyway, the 
in the course of talking about this, uh, we hit on this principle of uh, sufficient speech as a um, as kind of a gating function to First Amendment protection. And we were confused about what sufficient speech was because I had never actually heard what I'd, I'd never heard the term before. Um, I asked a friend of mine who happens to be a constitutional lawyer, uh, and Keenan actually pointed me at this uh, article explaining the whole issue uh, over on the Volok conspiracy, uh, which is an excellent uh, legal blog. So yeah, go check it out. Nice. Yep. Um, all right. Oh, you know who I haven't heard from in a while is Matt Mycini. Yeah. What's yeah. he into? What's he doing? So What's he into? He's helping us stay uh, uh, protecting our identity online. So oh, of um, course he is. He, of course yeah, he is. That's uh, uh, thank him for that. Um, mm-hmm. He's telling us about uh, public service announcement to show you that in uh, a little bit next month, um, your likeness could show up um, in a uh, Google ad. So, for instance, if somebody does a search for Google app, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Gunner app, mm-hmm. um, your photograph may show up next to it saying that you endorse it. God, now, Facebook tried the same thing just a few months ago, right? Yep. yep. <sighs> it's gross. It's so gross. So is there an opt-out? Yes. There's a yes. way to do it. Okay. So, and, and we'll put a link in the show notes. Good. Good. Um, yeah, we've got to... So I, I use Adblock um, in my browser uh, mm-hmm. to kind of so I can ignore this whole part of the world. Um, do you use the same similar oh, yeah. tool? All the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice. It's actually better for performance too, because you're loading a lot less uh, when you go to a web page because you're not getting all the tracking bugs and the you know advertisements and stuff like that. Works yep. pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think the whole moral of the story is to you know don't get scroogled. Right. <laughs> right. This is that Microsoft campaign, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's like you know they they take the high ground. You know they're not going to track you like like Google does. Mm-hmm. Except when they are. Right. Yeah. So they they are. Uh, developing a system to uh, uh, um, do tracking at its core. So um, uh, so they're, they're using an unspecified new identification technology, uh, building it into devices at a lower level. So only Microsoft and its authorized partners could gain this detailed tracking ability. God, God will this ever stop? I mean, it's, so Microsoft, this is the same company that um, wouldn't disable the monitoring sensors on the Xboxes, right? So that... Mm-hmm. Um, that using the motion detection, it would be able to tell whether you were in the room for a commercial or not. Right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, and and I'm seeing that on like the smart TVs too. And I, I wouldn't buy a TV that is watching me. No, that's crazy. I read that book. That book doesn't end well. That's <laughs> that's, that's terrible. Is it room room thirteen or yeah it? yeah room right right a room yeah yeah whichever it is yeah it's, exactly. You don't want to go to that room. Yeah. No, and you certainly don't want to make your living room that room. Right. Right, because exactly. rats. Yeah. Uh, um, speaking of which, I found uh, LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. They just they got this new app. New app. You know what an app fan I am, and uh, and you know what a fan I am. Of, I can't even I can't even joke about it. I'm not a fan of LinkedIn. Um, and the link the animals over at LinkedIn uh, published this app, which is called LinkedIn Intro, and it's meant to I don't know help you network with people who you've never met before or, or something. Um, anyway. This app, as a side effect, ends up routing all of your email through LinkedIn's servers. Hmm, that's convenient. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what you wanted. <laughs> that's right. And I'm sure my and I'm sure my my corporate infosec team is delighted at the prospect of people downloading this app and now suddenly shunting all of the red hat emails through the LinkedIn servers. Yeah. So so if you use that app on your smartphone, it would mm-hmm. it's basically switching that out. 
Yeah, okay. it'll, instead of sending email to, straight to Google or straight to redhat.com or whatever, it sends all the emails to LinkedIn's servers where LinkedIn does something to it. I'm sure I will not like whatever they are doing and then forwards it on to uh um, and then forwards it on to his intended recipient. Um, if and the guy, we, uh, we put a link of a, to a criticism of this in here. And he says, if this sounds like a mad in, man in the middle attack, that's because that's exactly what it is. This is a man in the middle attack on LinkedIn customers. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, a more efficient use of government resources though, too. So instead <laughs> of right. doing one, you know, legal letter to all these different companies, they could just do it to LinkedIn and get it all. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Nice and tidy. <sighs> anyway, um, so, but, okay, so good news. You ready for some good news? Yes, please. I'm ready. All right, so um, there's a project out there called State Decoded, um, okay. which is a software platform for managing state codes, like state laws, right? And mm-hmm. court, court decisions and stuff like that, making it easy to collate them, organize them, make them discoverable, things like that. And uh, as a kind of an offshoot of that project, um, these guys developed the, a crew of guys who I've never heard of before, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. actually have state decoded packaged up and installed on a, um, basically set, did a vagrant setup for, for the state decoded. So in other words, with one, like one command line, you can actually provision a virtual machine with state decoded, fully configured, ready to go, uh, running on CentOS. Now here's the, here's the best part is that they, mm-hmm. they had to lock it down, right? Can you guess what tool, what, what tool they did they use to lock it down? I would use, uh, SCAP. And indeed, they did. Not only did they use SCAP, they also used the SCAP security guide content uh, to uh, make sure that when the when you provision the machine, it's uh, it's locked down. Uh, nice. So it's wonderful to see some third parties actually shipping SCAP security guide enabled stuff. That's really yeah. cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready for some more good news. Yeah. So now Google is offering a bounty program for securing open source software. So. That, before there used to be like always this bug bounty, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, there's a, you know, report a bug in Chrome and we'll, if we like it, we'll send you cash. But now they're actually sending out money for patches. This is a good idea. I'm a big fan of this um, because it rewards the behavior that you want. Because um, so bug bounties are like kind of ethically shaky. Um, mm-hmm. Because you're encouraging people to find exploits and then, but not encouraging them to do anything about it, right? Um, and it becomes, you know, the NSA has gotten under some heat for paying for bug bounties, for vul- paying for vulnerabilities, um, mm-hmm. so that the vulnerabilities end up in their hands and not someone else's, so that they have a leg up on their uh, on their opposition. Um, paying for actual solutions instead of discovering the problems, I think, is a great idea, um, and. Uh, I also like that. I also like that it's impossible to do it with closed source software. You can only do this with open source, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do they? Def- how do they? Like, what I I can imagine a fix would. What if multiple people work on the same fix? How do they divvy it up or prioritize? Oh, this guy wrote more lines, or I wonder how they do that. That's a good question. Um, maybe they do like a lowest bidder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it, the finding and fixing these vulnerabilities has got to be, maybe it's just like first past the post, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that would, that's probably the cleanest way to do it. Like first person to send in the, the pull request is the one. Yeah. Well, the other part too is um, it's not just like Google's open source projects. It's, it's yeah. four things, right? SSH, yeah. find, yeah. DHCP. Yeah. 
Right. So Nginx, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they've got a whole list of projects like under which they will pay. Um, yeah. They will pay for bounties. Um, now, what a good, it's a really good idea. I, I feel like more companies should uh, should do stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Pretty smart. Um, but see, not everybody's so on board with open source. Isn't that right, Dave? Yep. Yep. I'm thinking one company in particular. Starts with letter O. Starts with letter O um, and ends with history's greatest monster. Um, I'm kidding. I, I smell Goodwin's law coming. <laughs> yeah, Oracle um, published. It's actually a little bit flattering. Um, or, Oracle went through the trouble to uh, write this white paper um, about uh, the perils of open source software in government. Um, actually, called out some Red Hat products um, mm-hmm. in the in their screed. Um, they published this paper uh, intended to be kind of persuasive. You know, give government people. You know, maybe they'll have some second thoughts about putting uh, open source software out there. Instead, it completely boomeranged on them, and I don't know, Dave. Every article I read about this was found the paper hilarious. Like, right. is found it embarrassing for Oracle that this paper came out. Um, and uh, actually, the, the cleanest refutation of the paper uh, came from um, a longtime open source software advocate Matt Assay, um, and uh, on, over on uh, Read Write Web. And I would get included a link to his refutation in the show notes. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, nice grist for the. Uh, the mill OSS thread on that was funny. Um, so some good grist for that mill, but, um, I, I just don't understand how a company can come out against open source software. Um, especially I mean, 10 years ago, maybe, but I mean, mm-hmm. nowadays it just seems it's, it's so much a fabric of how every data center works, how every application works. I, it, I, it just, I'm flummoxed that they would take that, take that kind of position. especially as a company that actually builds and distributes open source software. Right. (laughs) Um, It's just crazy. It's Mm. just crazy. So we got some events coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see. We got, well, real close. Now we got the uh, red hat symposium. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah, government symposium, November sixth. Yep, two weeks away. And uh, oh, and you're on the you're on the committee for the uh, uh, for the summit, right? Yep. So the the call for proposals closes on November fifth. So that's coming up very yep. soon, very soon. Yep. So if you got a uh, so if you got a presentation you want to give at the Red Hat Summit, you got until November fifth to submit that so that uh, Dave can approve it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> God. Uh, Oh, and then, and related to that, actually, the nominations for the Red Hat Innovation Awards are open. Yes. Uh, that is, if you are a Red Hat partner or uh, or a Red Hat customer, for that matter, um, and you are very, very proud of the work that you've done and uh, uh, what you've done with uh, with Red Hat Tools, um, becoming an Innovation Award winner is great. You get a whole lot of visibility at the summit. Red Hat does a bunch of press. Um, it's uh, It's been great, and actually, it ends up uh, I don't know your experience is like is with this, Dave. But uh, getting to meet the innovation award winners is is first of all really rewarding for me personally. But it's also great to then work with them over the next year because they become really closely tied in with uh, with Red Hat itself. Um, mm-hmm. We've been like collaborating on projects and stuff like that. And in fact, we've got a Red Hat Innovation Award winner up in our engineering center in Westford today. Um, mm. briefing engineers on what they're working on. Um, so it's a, it's a really great opportunity if you're a customer or partner. Um, so I strongly recommend people, uh, throw their, throw their name in the hat. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. 
Um, and then, uh, I've actually, thankfully I've got an event coming up in Austin on the 12th of November, um, mm-hmm. at the Hilton downtown. We're doing a kind of a J boss middleware open shift day, um, which should be cool. Um, I think uh, I'm going to, I'll be there. Ka, Bob Kazdemba, um, mm-hmm. will be there. Um, then the next day I'm going to be in Charleston, South Carolina, wow. uh, for the, yeah, for the, for the C5 ISR conference. Um, and then the week after that, the 19th of November, uh, I'm going to uh, begin my Thanksgiving celebrations in uh, San Antonio with uh, mm. uh, the Alamo Ace uh, Conference, uh, which I'm, I'll be speaking at that and then also doing a panel mm. on, the, uh, uh, on the GIE. So, yeah, should be good. Nice. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right, so what's new, Dave? What's, what's new with us? Oh, so, so much. Um, so we got... <laughs> um, I, I noticed uh, that there's uh, a Cantos, uh, which is an open source version of Trello that it looks like our Red Hat people are like developing and open sourcing. So yep. if you're a fan of uh, Trello, um, you know, check that out. It's yep. open source. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Matt Mycini and I, we did a, a blog post to celebrate uh, um, National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So did that. Um, what else we got? We got oh, and, the, and the new risk report came out. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. So Red Hat fixed uh, 98% of RHEL 5 critical vulnerabilities in the same or next day that the issue was made public. And we provide the tools for you to measure that yourself. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That's that's something I'm really proud of is that our security response team not only is very, very good at fixing vulnerabilities, of course, that's what we pay them for, Uh, but they're also very transparent about their process, um, about what kind of what the lag is between when they find a problem and when they fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I guess about every quarter or so, um, the Mark Cox over there on that team will publish a report on how they did. Um, mm-hmm. it, and it's, it's great. It's, um, it's wonderful to be able to point customers at it and show them, you know, exactly how good the security response team is at what they do. And you can run the numbers yourself. Yep. Yep. That's right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah we yep. publish it all. Yep. And then, uh, are you, do you use, uh, the Acro read on RHEL? No, no. Speaking of history's greatest monsters, I hate that thing. I've always hated that thing. It's like bloated. Like I remember, I mean, it, wake, it takes so long to load. It's just a mm-hmm. terrible piece of software. Terrible. Yep. So if if you're running it, for those people that are running it, they should probably uninstall it because we're not providing updates for it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and that's because Adobe, uh, uh, Adobe end of life did right. Yeah. So is that mm-hmm. is that a bad thing? No, 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 it's a great thing. It's a great thing. I mean, the the Acro Reader itself is not, it doesn't, I mean, it's, at least for how I'm using it, it doesn't actually do much beyond what some of the open source readers do anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like famously riddled with vulnerabilities. Um, Adobe yeah. just now could never kind of get its arms around the security problems with that software. So, um, yeah, yeah, not, so a, not I, a big deal. I like and, events. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Events, yep, 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 yep. And, so, and this is the, but you know, we talk about, uh, like every show, we talk about um, the, the importance of open standards, the importance of exit strategies, the importance of vendor lock in. And uh, in a format like PDF, uh, which is a relatively open standard, um, is this is why it's great, is because Adobe can now turn off their software. Right. And, and, we can, and it's not like we can't open PDFs anymore. We now have, we still have a whole bunch of tools that know how to read and write PDFs. So. And they don't really make money off of the reader. It's off of the authoring tools. So Correct. for yeah. them, I'm sure it's a good thing that they can reallocate those engineers to do the content creation. End mm-hmm. of it. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, so 
Adobe, if you're listening, next step, Flash. Um, yep. Get, get that thing. HTML5. HTML5. Yeah, HTML, can't yeah. Wait. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Um, yeah, because when if they were to turn off the Flash plugin, um, that would disable nearly every restaurant menu on the internet, right? Right. <laughs> that would be a, that would be catastrophic. Um, yeah. So we got to we get all that stuff that's using Flash now, move it to HTML5, and then we can turn off Flash at last. Yes. Yep. Uh, OpenStack. Yep. So they're Havana's out. Yep. Which is great. This is a, it, it's it's really cool to see. This community is moving so quickly, yeah. um, and the difference between the I and the H release uh, is really, I mean, it's a, it's a big difference. Um, it's just making these huge strides. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm just, I'm really impressed. Um, I'm also really happy with our performance. Like we, what we came in number one in commits again, right? Yeah. And uh, two of our engineers are in the top 10 in terms of uh, committers. Yep. Yep. Congratulations, Mark and Steve. Nice work mm-hmm. guys. Um, let's see. I don't know. What is that? There, there's some highlights for this release. Yeah, yeah. So let's see, what do we got? Um, oh, the Neutron stack, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that so that's the uh, uh, software, software defined, defined networking. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, which is really cool because if you know <laughs> having these virtual servers, right, um, is only a little bit useful if you can't rewire them to the other servers whenever you want. Um, like if you are stuck with, uh, if you're stuck with kind of physical cabling, um, or, uh, kind of a, a relatively like clunky or dumb networking setup on those virtual servers, um, they're a lot less useful, right? So, uh, having the software defined networking option, um, or the, these improvements to the software defined networking is a, is a really big deal. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I thought too, is that like with, uh, Rev 3.3 beta, Mm-hmm. is out and that's actually using a lot of the OpenStack uh, goodness as well. So it it's mm-hmm. going to have the um the Neutron uh networking service as well as the Glance uh image service. So um you know that I I'm starting to look at Rev and OpenStack as being this Venn diagram of two circles starting to overlap more and more. So mm-hmm. I think that's great that we're able to take advantage of a lot of the innovation that OpenStack is doing and put that into our enterprise virtualization stack, which is what proprietary virtualization technologies won't be able to take advantage of. Yep, 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 exactly. Yeah, the way I describe it to customers is like the they have the same body, um, but it's like two different heads on it, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so like Red Hat Enterprise Virtualization is good if you have, uh, you know, the old pets versus cattle thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you have servers who you give names to and you care for them and you want to feed them, um, then you want to use Red Hat Enterprise Virtualization. But if you've got servers which are relatively cookie cutter, um, you know, if one gets sick, you're just going to turn it off and reprovision it. Um, mm-hmm. Then that's your that's like OpenStack stuff, right? Um, but yeah. but still, they have a whole lot of common elements, like you were saying, like the networking and the image service and stuff like that. Um, so it makes perfect sense to actually merge these two. Um, and uh, and yeah, that's a, it's a really an advantage to open source software is to be able to pivot like that, right? And take advantage of another project's um, yeah. innovation. Yeah. Well, yeah. and then it'll get to the point where you won't, you can just use OpenStack and you won't need to do platform as a service anymore either. Hmm. Disagree. I disagree. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I disagree. Yeah. yeah. So this this is a, um, a listener tip from uh, Yasir Syed, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He sent yep. us a, a link. Um, 
to this article claiming that OpenStack is eventually going to get sophisticated enough to replace the platform as a service offerings like Cloud Foundry and OpenShift, um, right. which I think is like super, I mean, maybe, I mean, it's hypothetically possible, but I feel like platform as a service, there's so much automation that goes into that. And there's, it solves just a, like a completely different set of problems than OpenStack does right now. Right. Um, there's some like superficial similarities, but um, I have a feeling that the platform as a service guys are always going to be solving higher order problems. I can imagine a lot of plot. I could, there's makes a ton of sense to put a platform as a service on top of OpenStack, Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like platform as a service is going to, you know, keep pushing uh, application densities. They're going to keep pushing um, automation. They're going to keep putting kind of process improvements. Um, that uh, that aren't necessarily like directly in the bailiwick of OpenStack, um, although it's uh, there, there is admittedly like gray area between infrastructure as a service and platform as a service. Um, I feel like they're always going to be distinct categories, just just because th th because they have different audiences, right? Anyway, that's what I think. If you disagree, yeah. let us know. Uh, go to dgshow.org, send us a comment, and let me know all the ways in which I am wrong. Yeah, but I, I look at it too. Is it like even your paths can live on top of OpenStack? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, they're complementary. Instead, yeah. they don't they don't necessarily compete. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, although I will say I will take the time to say that if a lot of people will take an infrastructure as a service, create a bunch of template VMs, and mm -hmm. let users provision them, and then say, "Ta-da! Now I have a platform as a service." Um, right, which is and, wrong. <laughs> so, like, yeah, that's or not they're, what that they're is. calling right, and maybe the. It's the same sort of analogy as to saying that if you do virtualization, the operating system is relevant. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah, they're just, they're two completely different, uh, they're different tools for different tasks, right? Right. Um, and there's, there is advantage to specialization. So. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you can tell I'm a huge OpenShift partisan. Um, you know who else is an OpenShift partisan? Emergent. Emergent, Emergent Technologies. So Emergent is a, is a really good partner of ours. Um, in the uh, in the public sector space, and we just announced a collaboration with them um, yeah. around around OpenShift. So, uh, looks like they're going to start building cartridges, right? Nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and the cool thing here is that it's not, you know, you're going to have this portability, um, mm -hmm. and it's you can go to Emergent, you can go to Disastacks. There's there's a lot of places that you can go for OpenShift, and so it's you can pick the one that suits you best, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly right. And I think Emergent is being very shrewd in uh, in building these cartridges, right? Because uh, uh, being able to take these cartridges and, as you say, like uh, having like a functioning market running underneath them, um, uh, I think will prove very lucrative for Emergent. Um, yeah, it's going to make yeah. the cartridges that they build even more valuable. Correct. Yep. Yep. That's right. That's right. Um, did you see the article about the Zumwalt? Yeah. In, uh, in yeah. Wired, wasn't that cool? Yeah. So that's another customer or a partner that we like. Um, so there was this kind of long, deep dive into the Navy's new destroyer, um, the, uh, the Zumwalt-class destroyers, uh, which happens to be running RHEL. Yep. yep. pretty cool. So you got, you got RHEL, you've got robot guns on it. Mm -hmm. You know uh, the captain's name? I don't know the captain's name. James Kirk. <laughs> Come on. Look it up. <laughs> True story. <laughs> The guy, the, <laughs> the guy's like on a. He spent his whole career in the Navy, like on a fast track. He's probably like twenty four years old, and they're like, they're just whatever it takes. Get that guy in a ship. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, but yeah, the Zumwalt's are really cool because that's where we developed. That's one of the reasons, or one of the contributing reasons, why uh, we developed uh, the real time uh, Linux offering. 
Um, because they needed the real-time Linux to run the stuff like the robot guns and the radar systems. Um, So they started work on this this real-time kernel, and in the meantime, the guys over in financial services over on Wall Street also needed real-time systems, and through RHEL, through Red Hat, and through the Linux project, they were actually collaborated and actually built these real-time extensions to, uh, or these real-time kind of capabilities of Linux kernel. Um, They they did it themselves. It was great. Um, kind of a classic open source collaboration story. Um, so now you got Wall Street helping to build the next destroyer, and you got the next destroyer um, helping to uh, execute trades on Wall Street. It's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yep. So while right. we're talking about the military, um, mm-hmm. you, you've learned some things from uh, uh, General Eisenhower. Yes, I do like Ike, um, and yeah. he and he he created a. Uh, uh, a, lot, a lot of people may know this, but um, you know, Dave, you and I are both kind of life hacker fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so there's this thing called the Eisenhower matrix. Um, and you may have heard this in a bunch of different ways, but uh, I had never realized that it actually came from Eisenhower. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a graph and uh, there's basically on one axis of the graph, it's things that are urgent. And the other one, it's things that are important. And if you take all your tasks and stick them on this graph, like they can be urgent, but not important, important, but not urgent, urgent and important, and so on. Um, it's a nice way of kind of managing all the things before you and figuring out kind of what you have to do next. Um, yes. So anyway, there's a nice write up there from, uh, from a blog I enjoy called the art of manliness, um, which is not what it sounds like. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was attributed to Eisenhower. It's, I've seen that before, but I didn't know that was, that was him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very manly. Mm-hmm. Yes, very manly. So I got a quiz for you. I'm ready. While we're talking about the military and mm-hmm. the Navy and all that, mm-hmm. so what is more expensive to operate per mile, a Nimitz-class aircraft carrier or a top-fuel dragster? Uh, the car I had in high school. Hmm. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yes. No, I tell you, that's a tricky, more expensive to operate, like per... Per mile. Oh, per mile, not not mm-hmm. like per ton. No, per mile. Per mile. It's got to be the aircraft carrier, right? Um, no, it's it's the dragster. <laughs> what? Yes. Why? So, and maybe they did the math wrong, but uh-huh. it was um. So basically, they're saying that the uh, dragster is uh, twenty one thousand dollars per mile, compared to um, the aircraft carrier, which is a mere twenty six hundred dollars per mile. That's bonkers. Like an aircraft carrier is a small city. That's like five thousand people in that thing. I guess yeah, but it's I, nuclear powered. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, right. It's cheap, yeah. cheap energy. Right? <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true. I suppose that's right. And also not not really fast, right? Yeah. And I I think a lot of it too could be like and and to me this is like playing with math, mm-hmm. right? Where you have um, a dragster does it goes what a quarter mile. And then mm-hmm. there's that entire cost to have it go a quarter mile um, right. compared to an aircraft carrier, which is going all over the place. But I, I, I did the numbers. I ran the, uh, for the – and it looked to me like for $2,600 per mile, that means that the aircraft carrier has to be traveling on average 23 knots uh, 24-7. So I'm not sure if that math is totally correct. I don't know. But I'll put the link in there and let people decide. Okay. There, there are other vehicles that they could take a look at. It's basically the 10 most expensive vehicles to operate. Huh. Interesting. Wow, I'm just thinking about 
that's unbelievable for the dragster. That's just 21,000. That's crazy. All right. Uh, all right, Dave, what do you say? We, uh, what do you say we wrap this up? Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm all right, good. cool. You, you have a call to go to. So. I do have a call to go to, so we're going to get out of here. And I got um, to curve some pumpkins. Yeah, that's right. You got to enjoy time with your family. Yeah. Um, so cool. Well, Dave, uh, we covered a lot of stuff on this show. Um, if uh, folks wanted to uh, uh, to check out some of the links that we talked about on the show, where where do they go? Where do they do? Yeah, to see the chicken vest, um, mm-hmm. they got to go to uh, <laughs> dgshow.org. So D's and Dave, G's and Gunner, show.org. That's right. Uh, your one-stop shop for uh, vestibular ocular reflex news. Um, <laughs> uh, well, thanks, uh, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week. Yep. Bye, everybody.